You're listening to Grace in Full, the podcast. Welcome to episode one of the Grace in Full podcast. I'm glad you stumbled across my show, which hopefully means that you're looking to learn about God and His grace. And if it's by accident, then maybe you end up enjoying it and learning something new anyway. Well, first, a little bit about myself. My name is Nick. I'm from Amarillo. I'm a husband, a follower of Christ, a worship leader, and the founder of Grace and Full Ministries, which is also a blog that I write, and then now I started this podcast. I was introduced to the truth of my identity in Christ and God's grace by my parents when I was in high school, and I continued learning by listening to John Piper, John MacArthur, I read books by Steve McVeigh, and I also listened to a little bit of R.C. Sproul. I began studying the doctrines of grace, and God began teaching me things that were a lot different from what I learned growing up in church. I made the distinction between truth and religious activity, also Christian duties, and you'll hear me refer to this a lot. So today, I just want to start with the blog post that I wrote a few years ago called 10 Truths to Know About You and Grace, and these are some truths that I first learned that seemed to contradict what the church was teaching, and yet it was right there in the Bible. Maybe this is the first time hearing some of these, or maybe you already know these. Either way, I do hope that this is at least a blessing to you and you can take something from it. Whether you are a new believer or a longtime Christian, we can all benefit from reminders of our identity in Christ. I want to share my top 10 truths that I believe are the basic foundations to learning about His grace. So number one, you are forgiven. That's obvious, and we all know this, but I feel like sometimes it's taught differently in churches that you're forgiven, but you have to keep asking for forgiveness, or you have to keep uh, confessing your sins in order to maintain forgiveness status. And that's just not true, because in the Bible, we see that God's new covenant of Jesus' blood covers all sins, past, present, and future, and he remembers them no more. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Also, in Colossians 1.13 and 14, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And Hebrews 8.12 says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. So you can see the Bible teaches that we have been forgiven for all of our sins, past, present, and future, and they no longer have an effect on our life. We are forgiven. So number two, you have access to the Father. You can approach Him with confidence. When I was growing up, I used to hear a lot that you need to make sure that you are right with God before X, or you need to make your heart right, or whatever. A lot of talk about us making sure that we are cleansed or confessed or whatever before we can do something. And that's just not true. The Bible says that we've been made clean, we are forgiven, and that we can approach God without blame. In Hebrews 10, 19-22, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living spirit that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, 
Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So what that says is that we can approach him into the holy places. Back in the Old Testament, when there was the temple, there was the Holy of Holies. And when Jesus died, the veil was torn. What that means is now we don't need uh, a priest over us. We have Jesus, the great priest, in the house of God. And we can enter in because of his death, because of the blood, we can enter in with full assurance of faith. And what is it? By faith we are justified. Full assurance of faith to enter in clean from an evil conscience. So all that to say is that if you ever hear that you you know, need to make your heart right and you need to make sure you're right with God, we're already made right with God. One, that's not our job. Two, Jesus made us right when he died on the cross. We see that in the next one. Number three, you are justified. You can enter his presence without any blame. How do we know we're justified? Ephesians 1.4 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In Romans 8.30, it says, Those whom he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So again, number three about grace. We are justified by God's grace. And if you've never uh, heard what that word means or have never heard that before, that means declared or made righteous in the sight of God. Or having done for or marked by a good or a legitimate reason. So we are forgiven, we have access to the Father, and we are justified by God's grace. Number four, you are a new creation. You have a new heart for God, a new mind that thinks like Him, and a new nature that does the will of God. And this is something that's very contradictory. Just that one sentence. Because, yeah, a lot of uh, pastors will teach that you have been made new and that you're a new creation, but they don't teach it literally. Because, obviously, we're not literally a new, brand new person, but the Bible says that we were buried with Christ and we were raised in his resurrection. Our, our self has died and our spirit, we were raised and now we are new. We are a new heart, we have a new mind, we have a new nature. And we'll get into that in another episode at one point, I'm sure, down the road. If you look what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. In Romans, Paul talks about this a lot, about the, the, the battle between the spirit and the flesh, and what the flesh wants and what the spirit wants. And a lot of people take that as, you know, we have two natures, the old and the new. And really, there is no old nature because the Bible says it died. The old passed away. We are new in Christ. We have a new heart, a new mind, and a new spirit that's been made alive 
in Christ. This new heart loves God. This new mind thinks the things of God. Uh, don't get me twisted. I'm not saying that we have, you know, think like God or that we can know God's thoughts. But we don't have a mind that is evil and uh, the old nature. It's the old you. God has given us a new mind and a new heart that works together to have new desires, the desires of God. Uh, it reminds me, I remember growing up, there's a verse that a lot of people like to use, you know, that says, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, you have to have the right desires. You have to find out what it is God wants you to desire, and then he'll give it to you. He's not going to give you whatever you want. You have to want the right things. And that just sounds so bizarre to me, and I couldn't figure it out until I finally realized that we are new creations, and we do want the things God wants. Do we always act on it? Do we always act like we are new creations? No. And that's what Paul means. I, The things I hate, I do. And the things that I love, I don't do. I don't get it. But we are not dirty, rotten sinners. We are new creations. That brings up number five. You're a saint. And this is a big pet peeve of mine. I hear a lot of people use the phrase, a sinner saved by grace. Well, that's what you were. You were a sinner. You were saved by grace, and now you're a saint. He has given you a new nature that is set free from sin. Yes, we still sin because of our flesh and because we're here on earth, but that's the old you that died. The new you is covered by the blood of Christ. Your actions, your behaviors, its you are covered by the blood of Christ, forgiven. Romans 6.14 says, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Romans 6, verse 6 and 7 says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Christ, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. So we are set free from sin. You are not a sinner. You are a saint. God has made you right in Christ. You are also righteous. We are made righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus and his obedience. 2 Corinthians 5:21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, that's pretty controversial. Some people like to say, you know, position positionally or, you know, one day soon we will be. And, and, and that's true here on earth. We are justified, which means we have been made right and made clean in the eyes of God. We are being sanctified, which is a slow process of becoming more Christ-like. But really, it's not a slow process of changing ourself. It's a slow process of being the new you which is a saint, which is righteous, which is forgiven and justified, made clean. That brings me to number seven. You are being perfected by God. 
He is constantly working in you and transforming you into his image. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You are being perfected. God is constantly working in you to transform you. This is not a Christian walk of getting better on your own and striving to do the right things for God. That was something that really um, put me down and and stopped me from growing more when I was in youth group and high school and a little bit right out of high school was this idea and that you have to make yourself better. God wants you to be obedient and so you need to be more obedient. You need to be more this. You need to be more that. And and, and it's constantly doing that. And the only thing that grace was there for was to pick you up when you messed up. And that's not what grace is. Grace gives us the freedom to mess up. It's not a backup plan when you fall. It's you can be who you are, who God has created you to be. You're going to fall, and that's okay because you're not perfect. You're not glorified, which is the last part of that. Uh, verse in Romans you're called you're justified and then you're glorified well right now we're in the process of sanctification which is just a slow process of letting God express his life through us and learning yeah and we learn and we you know develop habits and kick old habits we still sin sometimes we get better at not sinning Eventually, we stop doing certain sins altogether. But that's not what the Christian walk is about. God didn't intend for you to be saved by grace through faith to then strive to be good and then work at stopping the sinning. No, he wants you to live your life, not however you want. He wants you to live in him not for him live in him and let his life uh, be expressed through you and let him transform you number eight you are in the will of god a lot of times you hear people teaching about finding god's will for your life making sure you are in god's will It sounds silly trying to say it, but I know I've heard it taught a lot of, you know, if if you're not in in the will of God, then things aren't going to work out for you, or, you know, you'll be blessed, or or whatever it may be. And it, it is taught like life being a series of choices to make, and we have to make the right ones, and we have... A fork in the road, and one of them is bad or, or okay. The other one is obviously hell or something. And the third one is God's will. But we have to figure out which one is God's will. And that's how they teach it. When I finally realized that that's just not true, it was a really a huge 
burden lifted off of me. I learned that exactly where I should be and what it should look like was where I was and what it looked like. You don't have to be anxious about being more spiritual or finding his will for your life. God does that for you. He is the author and perfecter of your faith, also your salvation, your faith, your trust. He will keep you there. Nothing can separate you from God. So wherever you are in your walk with God is where he wants you to be. You're not there by accident. Yeah, we make mistakes. And yeah, we make bad choices. And they have consequences. But that doesn't mean that you went down the wrong path and now you have to find your way back to the path called God's will. Being in God's will simply means that you are in Christ. Why? Because God's will is Jesus. That is God's will. That sounds weird to say like that, but God's will and and, and what God's plan for your life is to know Christ, for him to be in you and you to be in him so that he again, can express himself through you and so that he can transform you into the likeness of Christ. Let's look at Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's a lot of God doing in that verse, not a lot of us doing. It's not about finding the will of God. For it is God who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. To do what he intended to do with your life. He wants to uh, use you in the way that he intended to use you. He wants to use your gifts in the way he intended to use them. And he wants to portray himself through you to others it's not about is is it this church you want me to go to or that church is it this town that I should move to or that town that I should move to should I take this job or that job or should I stay at this job or or should I look for another job is it bad to look for another job you know uh, some people even teach that well if I if, I, if I'm in a job and I'm not happy and I want to look for another job, but what if I go to another job and it wasn't God's will for me to go to that job, things don't work out? Or I get the job and then, oh, we lose the house because we can't afford bills there for some, some reason something happened and it was a bad, bad job. That's just, I mean... It's silly, and it's not how God really works. It, you don't see that anywhere, really. I mean, yeah, in the Old Testament, there are times where you could make that argument. But the truth is that we are free now in Christ to make choices, and sometimes 
we should stay where we're at. Sometimes we shouldn't be trying to open doors that aren't there because God will open the door. That doesn't mean that if you try opening the door, that he's gonna go, that it's just gonna happen, and then oh, your life is in shambles, and you got to find your way back. No, it just means that when the time is right, God will open doors for you. If you want to go to another church, go to a another job, or whatever it is, move to another town. It's not about determining and and meditating to find God's will. Or, or really waiting for God's will to pop up on one of those options. It's about doing. You, you just do it. And God is the one that works in you. And number nine, you are one in spirit with the Father. You are in union. And there's a blog on my, on my website about this. We are in union with the Holy Spirit. The two, your spirit and the Holy Spirit, function as one spirit for the purpose of the greater, which is God. For the purposes of for God's purposes, your spirit functions with the Holy Spirit. This kind of goes into that being in the will and doing God's will. It's not about sitting there trying to determine what God's will is. It's about doing just you do and you live and be who you are, God works in you, he's transforming you, and eventually you're going to realize that you're doing the will of God, you didn't even know it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is leading and directing you for the purposes of the Father. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6.17. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. This is kind of referring to that same uh, same idea of when Jesus was talking to uh, the Samaritan, not the yeah, about worship. Soon, worship will be in truth and in spirit. And a lot of people have their opinions on what that means, but I believe that's what that means. In spirit, we are in union. With the Spirit, we are in. We are one with Him in Spirit. We'll go on. We'll. I will do more on that topic in future episodes. The last one, though, is number ten. You are accepted by God. Colossians one twenty one and twenty two. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in the minds in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. We have been reconciled and we are presented to God as holy, without blemish, free from all accusation. John 6.37 all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Ephesians 1.5 In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. 
we are in the sight of God. We are presented as no longer enemies, but we are reconciled, presented as holy, without blemish, and free of accusation. No longer is there condemnation. In other words, we are presented holy and blameless. We are clean and able to be in God's presence. All those the Father gives will come, and whoever comes, I will never drive away. We are never pushed or driven away. God keeps us with him, and he predestined us to adoption to sonship. We are children of God. It is in accordance with his pleasure and his will. He likes us being his children. He wants us to be his children. He loves us. He wants to be around us. He won't drive us away. You are, this is the biggest one, you are actually accepted by God. You are not accepted by participation award or by technicality. That's why I don't like the positionally uh, phrased doctrine of we are in his eyes righteous, in his eyes holy. Well, yes, because right now in, in, on earth we are not holy beings, we are not righteous beings. But we have to remember we, our true identity, is a new creation that is holy and blameless in Christ. And because we are in Christ, God accepts us. We are loved by the Father. We are accepted. We are embraced by the Father. He likes being around us. He likes you. There, there is not this, not, not this teaching of he loves you, but sometimes he doesn't like you because of your sin. I heard that so many times in youth group growing up. It is the most uh, hurtful <laughs> doctrine to teach to young minds who are beginning to grow in Christ. So that is my top ten things to learn about grace. And, and those are really my top ten topics that I speak about a lot that I think are very important to all believers. Like I said, it's a good reminder for all of us, and it's really good to learn for new believers. And in future episodes, we'll be going deeper into some of these topics. So thank you for listening. This is the Grace and Full podcast. My name is Nick, and I hope you will tune in for more episodes to come. I'm not quite sure of the schedule of posting, but I will be definitely getting more out uh, soon. So find me on your favorite streaming app, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Deezer, whichever you like. Or you can go to graceandfull.buzzsprout.com. Also find me on Twitter and Instagram or graceandfull.com.